calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You can brush my hair and take me anywhere. It's time to talk Barbie on the IGN UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, Matt Perslow. Hello. And Emma Matthews. Hello. This is the big pink Barbie spectacular. We'll, we'll mainly be spoiling Barbie. We've got a few other little bits to talk about, but the whole world is pink at the moment. Everyone's talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. We talked about Oppenheimer last week, so let's let's give Barbie her time in the spotlight. Emma I think it's only right if we start with you. What do you think about Greta Gerwig's Barbie? I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, like, to be honest, I think we've seen a lot of this movie. Like, it's had so much marketing and I've seen so many trailers for it. And, like, I was still surprised by it, which I think is, like, really, Mm -hmm. really cool. Like, it very much is, like, pink and fluffy and fun and everything you kind of expect from you know, a movie about a toy, but it went so much deeper than I was expecting. And I just think it's really beautifully done how it talks about, you know, how it tackles, you know, being a woman and being a girl growing up and maturing into a woman in the real world and how scary it is and how sometimes it can be kind of horrible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was like, it was handled really, really well. I love the characters. I love the pink I don't know if yeah, yeah. you if you got into the whole thing. A lot oh, of people no, online were talking pink. about wearing pink to the cinema. Well, me and Matt I saw it last that. night, and there were actually like a substantial amount of people like noticeably just wearing a pink item of clothing. Oh, like, yeah. not full like cosplay stuff, but like a lot of people just pink shirt or like some pink shoes or like yeah. Like, did you go full pink? I went pink t shirt. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't I actually own a lot of pink it. stuff, but. Because it kind of clashes with my hair. My hair's red. So (laughs) pink and red, you know, it doesn't look amazing together. But I had to go pink. And I I just really love like how around this movie as well, lots of people were just, it seems like from what I've seen online, everyone's getting really into the spirit of it. And it's brought a lot of people together. And everyone's just like, yeah, you know, let's have a good time. Exactly. It's just, and that is what, like, it has a lot of important things to say. And it does them in a very clever way, I think. But also fundamentally, I think this is why people respond to this film. It's just a really fun time. Like it is just a great, just under two hours, 
really like genuinely funny comedy, which we just don't get that many original comedy films anymore. And like, it's just great to see just a great comedy. Like this is the most fun I've had in the cinema as far as I can remember, like for, for years, probably like I've been like glued to a screen, like Oppenheimer. I was like riveted to that screen. Top Gun Maverick, like riveted, but like, I don't know how many years it's been since I j- like openly like laughed out loud in a cinema that much. I, I had just an incredible time. Yeah. Um, Matt, I don't, I know you kind of probably in a very similar boat to me there. Yeah. I, I think it's, I, I sort of, I really admire the artistry of it. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to, it is every joke also has meaning. Yeah, and like yeah, to be yeah. able to be able to have kind of like this constant, like it's not necessarily a super deep reading on kind of feminism and the issues of the patriarchy, like, but it doesn't need to be. Like it is the reading no. it needs to be. But the fact that it weaves that into almost every single joke that it has. And so everything is both pushing forward the message, the plot, and just the humour of the piece. To be able to balance that, like, we all know that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are talented writers. Yeah. But when you think about how difficult that is to do, uh, like, this mainstream level, to make it Mm -hmm. so accessible, so, like, straightforward, but also have all that depth to Mm -hmm. it... All those jokes are like, there's obviously like a lot of real world, not implications, but you know, like background to a lot of those jokes, but they don't ever feel rude or like pointed. Like no. they're very much like holding a mirror up to you. Like, and like if you're, if you're allowed to like laugh, if you let yourself laugh at yourself, then you'll have a great time. Like there is one joke in particular where about the Godfather, which is very much <laughs> me. Like I a, laughed a, because a certain, it was you. <laughs> a certain, a certain like, you know, people like you know. It's a very much. It is a stereotypical, like in inverted commas, film bro thing. Like, let me tell you how good the Godfather is. People know how good the Godfather is, but it's very much you know, men in their thirties, forties. You know, what's your favorite film? The Godfather. It is my favorite film, genuinely. But yeah, the way they frame that joke is just like, it's like oh, it's perfect. It's like it's so funny and. Yeah, you can imagine. The great thing is, like, if you don't know the context, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are a husband and wife, and that you can tell a lot of those jokes probably are like in their relationship as well. Like, but obviously they're not. They're they're happily take the mick out of each other, and I just like Greta Gerwig is just right, like skyrocketing up my list of favorite directors. Like, we'll talk more about Barbie, but like Lady Bird. If you haven't seen Lady Bird, it's phenomenal. It has a similar thing of like being a genuinely very funny film, but then also like Barbie does at the end, hitting you emotionally, which I just never expected. And as much as they're both kind of films about mother and daughters, like you can re- like if you you know if you're not clo- a close-minded person, you can easily relate to that relationship. And you know we all have mothers, so like. That was, that was dangerous close to how can I hate women my mum's one uh, I didn't mean it like that but you know I just love Greta and Little Women as well phenomenal and also if you haven't seen Francis Ha check that out because uh, it's incredible there's my little Greta Gerwig uh, standing on a platform to promote Greta Gerwig but yeah Barbie is just amazing like you touched on it the production design of Barbie land in particular is just amazing and the, like the way they make it instantly feel like not obviously not a real place, but a real place where you instantly understand like the dynamics of this place. And like, yeah. it isn't really the real world, but instantly you're like, oh, I get this. Like 
no one has to do anything and it all works. It's it's so good. Um, what did we think about the performances? Because I think a lot of people will come away with this thinking Ryan Gosling steals it because he's just hilarious. Everything he says in this film is hilarious. And in one particular, what the way he says the word sublime in this film had me laughing for about 20 <laughs> seconds. Um, but also I think like, I don't want like Margot Robbie to be overshadowed because she is phenomenal. So I'm like, it's such a hard role to pull off to be this, like the transformation she goes on, the, like to be this kind of character who's, she's not ditzy or stupid or like airheaded, but at the start, like kind of just oblivious to be like that level of oblivious, but also always kind of smart in a way. Like it's such a weird, like, I just think she's phenomenal in this film. I don't know what you guys think. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, like, she's so charismatic. She's like, it, like you said, it's amazing how she gets that balance right of being like the stereotypical Barbie. You know, mm. she looks the part, she acts the part. And then you see her go through this sort of, like she's maturing over the course of the film, right? She's like learning mm-hmm. more about the real world. And it's like, she just deals with it like really, really beautifully. Like at no point did I feel like, oh, you know, this isn't really realistic or like you know obviously the whole the whole thing is it's barbie so it's going to be plastic here it's going to have some sort of level of like you know um being superficial but like she she makes barbie seem way more i think 3d like you know when you think mm-hmm. of barbie as a toy you think like oh you know it's all about how she looks and like you know she's she's perfect and like she just brings like a completely different element to her and it's just done really really well mm-hmm. yeah Emma, did you did you play with Barbies when you were a, a young girl, or was that not your your jam? So I did have one Barbie, mm-hmm. just the like I I don't even know which Barbie it was. There were so many. It was just the blonde, regular, yeah, I guess, yeah. stereotypical mm-hmm. Barbie. Um, I didn't have the dream house or anything, but I had like this living room set where you had like a sofa and like a a fridge and all that. Um, I wasn't super into Barbie. I think like. Mm-hmm. That was more like my sister. She was yeah. really into like dolls and stuff. The thing I was thinking from what you were saying there is this idea of kind of like the the plastic superficial meets the the 3D character. I guess kind of like the point is, is like for every girl that played with Barbie, Barbie wasn't superficial, right? Like they got to make her like a, mm-hmm. a, the woman that they promised. And I think, you know, like I love how comedic this is and I love kind of like the some of the superficial elements. But I... I, always, I felt that this was almost like a bit of an eye-opener for me and kind of like, you know, I didn't mm. play with Barbies when I was a kid. But the toys that I did, which quite honestly were mostly like Toy Story toys, but they were like whole characters for me and kind of like this sort of thing, like punching through that idea of like, Barbie is a doll that represents a lot of things to a lot of girls. And that idea of like, well, of course that she's a full woman because that's what it is to a little girl. Like this whole, like real personality that lives in their bedroom in an amazing house oh yeah Yeah. exactly like to me my barbie doll was kind of like i guess me if i was a grown-up kind Mm -hmm. of like what would i want to do and like the film really captures that really well like oh you can you know you can be anything and obviously as time's gone on with the barbie line as well it's not just one type of barbie now you know you've got barbies that are doing all kinds of things like game development and they've got all different you know versions now it was like it felt a bit different in like mm-hmm, the yeah. 90s and early 2000s when I was growing up. But yeah, to me, like Barbie was just like, oh, you know, this is me if I was older, like in my house or whatever. And that yeah. was really cool. And it was nice to see that like explored in the like the film quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think like, like we said before, it, it tackles these like 
serious issues about the patriarchy in our world, but in a really fun and clever way. Like It's engaging, and, and that's what yeah. we need to do about those issues. You need to make them engaging exactly. in order for the message to work, right? And, like, it's the way that, yeah, like, they do tackle the way that, like, without ever saying Barbie is an evil thing that should never have existed, like, they do tackle that whole concept of, like, Barbie's been around since, what, the late 50s, I think, early 60s, and, like, there are all these versions of Barbies that girls could look at to be, like, here's what you can be, but then the world at that point, and to an extent still now, though some progress were made, like, that still was an ambition that could never really have been achieved back then. Like, it's like setting, basically, how it's set up generations of women to kind of fail in a way and i feel like they like greg Gomez has tackled this in such a smart way that like i don't know like obviously i'm not going to have the exact reading that a lot of young women will have watching this film but like i do wonder like you mentioned toy story and i was reminded of toy story in this film like you know oh i wasn't watching toy story as a kid going i can be a cowboy but you know like mm-hmm. i do wonder if like a lot of like because this isn't a kid's film you should say like there's a very like adult like things that will go over the heads kids but i think there is enough for kids to enjoy in this film it's but not, like what i would say yeah. on that is it, it wasn't the film i expected it to be in the sense that i actually thought that narratively it was going to be a bit closer to the barbie films that they make for direct to dvd mm. i thought it was going to be that with the greta gerwig kind of feminist discussion maybe as a mix of text and subtext yeah but it's not. It's 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 a film that in, entirely yeah. the text is about Barbie's feminist journey, right? Only pleasantly surprised by this film. Like I was worried that once we went to the real world, that was it. We were gone from Barbie land, and we'd spend too much in the real world. And I do think that a tiny bit of momentum is lost in the middle of the film, but they get it back so quickly. And I just go in, and they made the smart decision just getting back to that Barbie land world and the production design there and all the characters there. I think this. It's just a phenomenal film. And I want to shout out the music as well in this film, like especially the Ken number. Um, we're not going to, I'm trying not to spoil this film, but that is just like, I'm a sucker for musicals and especially like over the top, like silly musical numbers. And that is exactly what you get in this film. Like a real, like almost semi grease parody to a point at times. And like almost really referencing those old, like Gene Kelly musicals and singing their own, all those. And I just like, I'm a sucker for all that. Like I just, I just can't express how much of a good time I had in this film. We haven't even mentioned Alan or horses. The amount of times (laughs) horses are used as a punchline in this film is hilarious. I just love that. Like, I don't think it's a spoiler, how obsessed Ryan Gosling's Ken is with horses and how basically horses represent, I don't know what, masculinity to him. (laughs) It's just very funny (laughs) to me. Um, The way he just, like, when they go to the road, he just sees those two policemen on horses. He's, like, in pure awe. It's just a very funny thing to me. Um, Do you want to talk about Alan? Because Michael Sarah, Isn't it good to have Michael Sarah back? He pops up every now and then, but I feel like, are we going to have a bit of a renaissance happening i want him back oh Um, that would be great i think i love alan in this movie as well i love that like you know alan i did to be honest i didn't know who alan was before i saw this i don't remember alan being a thing like when i was young but um i love that they have that you know they've taken this toy that you know wasn't called ken he was ken's Mm -hmm. friend or whatever who can fit into his clothes but in the movie they make like a distinction like alan is different from the other kens 
and we get to see that and it's really nice and I think Michael Sarah is just the perfect person to play that part as well he does it really really well he has a scene that I think like obviously we don't want to spoil it but you see exactly like why he's called Alan and not Ken and I, I thought that was just great yeah he's brilliant it's, I love how they they reference like all the genuine toys like there's some of like the weird we won't like spoil them necessarily, but some of just the weird versions of Barbies they've developed mm-hmm. in the past that just pop up in these, like in this film, and just I would, you know, it's rare. Like I love, I love films. Okay, I love a good film. It's very rare. I I've heard you love the Godfather, Cardi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you how it. it um, it's the kind of the clash of uh, Francis Ford Coppola and the studio system at the centre. Um, I think that's kind of what they say in the film, um, but. I might watch The Godfather now. Um, but no, it's very rare I leave a cinema and go, I could watch that again right now. I could turn around and just watch all of that again right now. And I will watch this film a lot when it comes out on digital. Even if it's just bits and bobs here and there. Like This is going to be one of those films that if it's on TV, like it will be a rewatchable for me. It will just be like, if it's pop on, I'll watch 10 minutes of this. Just it's, to- it's also one of those films where... I can't think of a point in that film where you'd sit down and go like, oh, well, I've sat down at the wrong point. Like, I'm not going to care. Like... Every moment of it has something that is worth sitting through. Like, even if it's just a punchline or anything, it's, it, every part of it felt I was completely engaged all the way through. And, like, to have a film that is making you laugh as much as think, as I say, like, as an artistic merit, I, re- I really think it's an outstanding piece of media. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. I can't, I can't, I. Really, I can't, like, I was racking my brains, like, you know, I, I don't want to do the whole, is it better than Oppenheimer? They're so different. Like, you haven't seen, have you seen Oppenheimer yet, Emma? I haven't seen okay, it Okay, so neither of no. you have seen it. Like, it's impossible to compare. There's no point in comparing these two films. They're complete opposites, end of the spectrum. Both absolutely brilliant. Like, we're just, aren't we lucky? Aren't we? What a week. Um... I hope this gets some, like... I'm not someone who cares about awards or the Oscars. Like, you know, like I don't get like, oh, I really want this to win. But, like, I hope it just gets some recognition. Like... I mean, it's already I hope one Greta of the... Gets, yeah. It, 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 you know, Greta, it's, Greta Gerwig's now the highest opening for a female director of all time. Like, that's that's some pretty strong recognition, I think right? I read something like it's the fourth... It had, like, the fourth highest Monday ever or something, like, for a film. Like, this could easily break a billion, which is silly like the last film that i can't remember the last film that, i don't know barbie's a huge like mm-hmm. product and a huge name but like mm. like it's, it's rare that a film not in you know a massive already established film franchise does this and yeah i'm just i'm happy everyone's mm-hmm. loving it yeah 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 i don't know if there's anything else to say about barbie for now but the, um just the thing i like the thing i still keep coming back to is is like i am so pleased that this got made in the sense of like Everything about it screams like against both Mattel and Warner Brothers. Like it is a film that doesn't make sense for Warner Brothers to make in the fact that kind Mm. of like it's this, whilst I think like you could definitely take like the target audience of Barbie to see it, like, you know, like six, eight year old girls. There was so there was a family that did have very young children with them that would probably watch those director DVD Barbie movies that clearly were kind of just wandering around the cinema for a bit and weren't necessarily as in age because as you say it is definitely kind of like a teen to preteen as kind of like the starting age it felt to me mm. but also it's such an anti studio film from a big sort of Warner Brothers thing and by that I mean I don't mean that it's tearing down the studio but 
I can't imagine a bunch of execs sitting down and thinking like, oh, this kind of like meta sort of like yeah. interesting like takedown of the patriarchy and and and, mm-hmm. and uplifting of of kind of womanhood. But also the fact that Mattel, Mattel is like dragged by its hair through the dirt <laughs> in yeah. this. It's a it's a one that like really recognizes the duality, like the two truths of the fact that Barbie is so important and so inspirational, but also as a brand is a bit fucking strange and yeah. like is detrimental in many ways. And it finds the way to weave between those two. I just don't understand how any of like the miserable suits at Warner Brothers and Mattel would have sat down and gone, nah. brilliant. But I'm so pleased they did. No, and we're not going to reveal what it is, but I do just love that the like the mic drop last line of this film will have so many parents just have their kids ask, what's that? And then <laughs> have to explain, enter a whole new uh, era of explanation of life. For but them. also, um, you know, as as my partner said to me, who's seen this as well, um, that's probably that final line is so important for setting yeah. women up for exactly. things that are important in their life and can be scary. Oh, so, 100%. Like, it was so nice to see that at the end. I think, like, it kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't quite expecting that to be, like, how it finished. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was like, this is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I won't spoil it. But like you said, Matt, I think with the um, with the stuff with Mattel as well, like, yeah, I think it was really important for them to highlight this stuff about, like, Barbie and just, like, the brand and stuff. Because, you know, parts of it, if you look back at like in in the past, it's like oh yeah, there are things that you know Barbie's kind of done to damage like mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like progress for women and stuff. And I think if they hadn't have spoken about that, then it's always going to be something that comes up from the audience anyway. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. fact that they tackled it head on and they were like, look, there's talk about it, but there's also talk about it in a light where you know it's not really sad and horrible that's you know the kind of like not make fun of it but like highlight it in a way that it feels more accessible i think mm-hmm. was just really really good yeah and i don't yeah and there is plenty like there's plenty for men to take away from this film as well like okay. especially like the way that as much as it is a film by women for women like it, it definitely takes a look at how the patriarchy like negatively affects men and that whole just just false masculinity of the world and well, just like like ken's journey is you know it's not it's not the centerpiece of the film, but he does genuinely go on a journey. And whether you think anything's totally resolved with him by the end or not, like there's definitely it's definitely saying something. He, he's still definitely faulted by the end of yeah. the film, and we won't say what his journey is. Um, mm. But the one thing that I really like about it is is a kind of like what you were saying earlier, uh, Emma, about the idea that Alan's not a Ken, and the idea mm. that Ken is a type of man rather than a man himself, right? And the Alan sort of character is more of a unique sort of uh, approach. And I think there's some really interesting things to dig in there. But one of the things that I really like about the way it approaches uh, the patriarchy is all the men are quite camp. Like, it strips Hmm. away the idea of, like, you can... It's not just like, oh, it's not just bro-bros that are the problem here. Like, patriarchy and the problem with, with men, like, stretches across all types of men. And by, like, making them all quite camp and flamboyant and very sort of, like, dollish, I think it kind of, like, allows you to expand the scope of what you understand. It's like, oh, all sorts of men are contributing to these problems. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's a lot of these sort of things that are probably a bit above me as kind of like a a man that's come to a podcast that's just jabbering on about what a film he saw last night that hasn't really had a lot of time to think yeah. about it. But there's just so many kind of starting points for bigger conversations here. Yeah. 
Um, and I just think it does it. I, I, like a huge amount of applause for for Gregor. Yeah. Like, I hope that's a- the one thing people take away from this film is you can tackle these sort of issues in a really fun mm-hmm. way, like an educational way, and not which I fear will be the way people t- the thing people take away from this film, as in come as in the production companies and say let's make more films about toys, uh, which yeah. isn't the way mm-hmm. forward. Let's get smart, clever, and more women making films that have things to say and just make better films rather than just rinsing and repeating brands there we go there's my little uh <laughs> soapbox stand about the future of film um yeah we've discussed you 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 said earlier matt you're very much you see yourself as an alan you, you saw a lot of yourself in alan especially yeah. when it, yeah especially i think the thing is is like heated moments as as, uh, <laughs> as 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 if we were to say sort of like the journey of my life i've always sort of seen myself in michael serra characters he always gets <laughs> yeah. cast as people oh definitely in super bad as well like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i always you know uh, uh scott pilgrim has always been a character yeah. that because I really admire the journey that Scott goes through in the story of Scott Pilgrim because I recognise that I was a bit of a dick like Scott was in my younger life when I didn't really see the was. wider world. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> and, and I love that kind of like the story of Scott Pilgrim is kind of like, you know, he doesn't go through his entire journey because the end of Scott Pilgrim is the start of him being a more kind of like sensible person in his life but i love seeing mm. that and you know there, i see that reflected in eras of my life uh, and then but just always like he's always the awkward one right like there's so much yeah, in yeah. george michael in arrested development that is just <laughs> me as an awkward quiet like preteen yeah. teenager like i i really love michael Sarah, and so i love that he got another role that i can say like that's a that's an aspirational role for yeah. a man Whereas I suppose I have to say I'm Kingsley Benedict's uh, Ken watching the Godfather, isn't yeah. he? Like, take considering that uh, he has been suffering through Secret Invasion in yeah. a role that he does a lot to try and bring some gravity to, but the fact that he gets to be uh, film bro Ken, in... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's enough barbecue. I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the year when we talk about best things from this year. But you mentioned Secret Invasion, Matt, mm-hmm. and we mentioned Kingsley Benedict having a little bit of a moment um or it made much more of an impression on me uh and barbie in the short time we had than probably most of secret invasion saying that though probably one of the better things in secret invasion is kingsley benedict's uh villainous gravic secret invasion finished this week um i only watched half it i haven't watched the last three episodes yet to be honest so i don't i, I don't have a full thing to say here and we're not going to spoil it just in case for any reason you haven't watched it yet and are planning to. Um, Matt, I know yeah. I think we're both... Did we briefly talk about it a few weeks ago? I can't remember. But, like, this series had so much promise based on the comic book It came. it's based on and kind of the more grounded MCU sort of, like, spy Cold War thrillers it's trying to emulate. But then it's just kind of all fallen a bit flat, hasn't it? Yeah. Emma, have you seen any Secret Invasion? I've not seen any of it, so I'm ready. Like, do do I need to do I need no. to watch this? Well, Marvel short show? answer I would say is no, but maybe Matt can expand that scene as yeah, you reviewed I, it for IGN. Yeah, <laughs> I personally don't recommend it. Like, so overall, I've given the season a six, and it's one of these where um, obviously scores the, those numbers can can come from various different places, right? Like sometimes it's like, oh, it was it it was just straight up bad. But I think a six uh, tends to um, can come from multiple places, and where it comes from from Secret Invasion is that it's not a five or even a four to say that it's just straight out bad because there are lots of really 
good starting box in this, you know, as as a, as a storyline. You know, it's it follows on from Captain Marvel, which I assume both of you have seen. Have yep. you both seen Captain Marvel? Well, I have. I don't I've still it. not seen it. Okay. It's one of the few Marvel films I haven't actually watched. So again, I was like, yeah, do, uh, I, do I need to watch it? I mean, I I, I do want to. It's, it's one of those again, ones that it's kind okay. of passed me by at the time. But yeah. yeah. So uh, Captain Marvel is one of my favorite characters from the comics. Um, and so I, I think the Captain Marvel film is quite mid-tier, which although a lot of people I think would actually put it low tier that I've spoken to. But I, mm. I don't mind it. I had a good time with it. But to talk about Secret Invasion, I'm afraid I'm going to have to just spoil a little bit of what happens in, in Captain Marvel, Emma. <laughs> That's basically, all right. It's been ages. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, the scrolls who are kind of like from the comics, like this very famous race of um, shape-shifting aliens. They're an alien species that can basically make themselves look like humans. And the comic book uh, Secret Invasion was basically about... <laughs> You're just starting to realise, like, oh, like, all of these superheroes were actually scrolls all the time, and they've been slowly doing a invasion of the Body Snatchers-style invasion of Earth. Um, and the TV show uses that sort of concept that the scrolls are here, but basically the reason why the scrolls are here is because in Captain Marvel, it turned out they didn't cast them as villainous kind of aliens. They were, like, refugees in need of a new planet because they couldn't live where, where they come from. And basically Nick Fury says, come and live with me on Earth and do all my spy business for me. And while you're doing that, I'll try and find you somewhere new to live. Secret Invasion kicks off with the idea like, that happened about 30 years ago and Nick Fury still hasn't found them a place to live. So there's a bunch of scrolls that are pretty angry that they've been having to hide as humans and do a load of dirty spy work. And now they want a planet to live on, so they're just going to take this one. So that's the basic premise. Love that premise. I think that's a really good use of where the MCU took the scrolls and gave mm-hmm. them like a, a unique identity compared to the comics. And the first couple of episodes, I think, do find interesting ways to do that. There's a lot of this idea of modernizing the way that a, like an invisible invasion would work. So what it is, it's an awful lot of false flag operations and lots of like, let's try and pull the world into a war with Russia, because that's topical at the moment. And if we can get the world to fight each other while they're fighting, the scrolls can come out and, and, and basically take the, the spoils for themselves. The big kind of problem I think it starts to have is that it's for all of those good ideas that's done by a very good cast, including like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, who is excellent and he's always very good at Nick Fury, mm-hmm. but also Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Kingsley Benadir. Olivia Coleman. Uh, Olivia Coleman, who but is... But the cast of this is yeah, silly. Amelia like, Clark, like yeah. all really, really strong kind of people. They're kind of never really given anything actually exciting to do. No. And when it's... It's it you know it uses the Winter Soldier style direction so it looks like the Winter Soldier in many respects it's got that kind of grittier tone it's got but like it colors. look like an imitation of that though because it's not visually exciting it's like a anyway. pale facsimile <laughs> of what the Russos yeah. did for the kind of latter Captain America films but largely it's a case of what it does is there are so many scrolls that are introduced from the start of it that basically. When you know that most of your cast are already scrolls, there's none of the excitement of yeah. the idea of like, oh, who in the cast could actually be a scroll in disguise? Yeah. Because you already know that they're all scrolls. And it, ve- it like it's got this really nice um, 
element of uh, of motivation for Gravik, this central scroll, who's like, we deserve a place to live. We've spent years doing all of this dirty work for Nick Fury, and he still hasn't lived on his promise. And that is 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 a sympathetic motivation. And it never goes any further than that. And like nah. Ben Kingsley, uh, sorry, Kingsley Benadir is so good at demonstrating the anger of that character. But I want depth as well as just that initial yeah. anger. Well, I think its biggest crime is, and I'm sure you get onto it, is like this is meant to be like echoing paranoid, like spy thrillers of like the 70s or yeah. 80s. Mm-hmm. There's just zero paranoia or suspense yeah. to any of it. Like, like you said, like you pretty much. From what the end of the second episode, maybe the third, you can pretty much tell who who is and who isn't a scroll. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also doesn't have the like they could have pulled. I'm not saying they would have had to copy what the comic book does, but the comic book right is all about. It has all of like the superheroes, has all of the Avengers. Like you don't know which of the, the whole yeah. thing is like you don't know who. Like it could be Spider Man, it could be yeah. Iron Man, it yeah. could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it's like. Is it, I don't know, is it Rhodey or or is it like one is, of these four characters you've only just met who I don't care about? <laughs> yeah, or, or is it, you know, is it Nick yeah. Fury? And it's a case of like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to say where, whether it's Nick or not, but kind of like, even if it was Nick, you would probably watch the show kind of assuming that it wasn't because he's the key kind of character and he's the lens through which you see the entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think, it's quite boring. It really is. That quite is its boring. biggest crime. It's just dull. Because that's because what it's I've heard overall. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of why. Like I sort of usually with these shows, I'll be like, okay, rather than wait for it each week, I might see how the first couple episodes mm-hmm. do, and then see if it's worth it. And after the first two, it was kind of like general consensus was like, eh, you can kind of skip this yeah. one. Yeah. And I was kinder to those first two episodes than than a lot of other reviewers were across other sites. And partially, it's, partially, it's because I think Disney Plus. Generally, the first couple of episodes of a Disney Plus show are the better ones, and then they tend to go downhill. Seems to be the just the pattern that these shows take now. But also, I kind of was giving it the benefit of the doubt to a certain degree. I was doing like the the bits that it establishes here are strong, and maybe the paranoia comes later. Did it come yeah. in episode three? No. Did any suspense come in episode four? No. Five? No. The finale did its best with what it had got and I thought was the better episode from the rest of the season. But by that point, like, I wasn't expecting it to be suspenseful. I wasn't expecting it to have any... Like, there's no genuine fear. There's a little bit of sense in the first couple of episodes that the world's starting to crack and, mm. God, like, this could be terrifying. And then it's almost, like, inconsequential for so much and it's, like, mm. the plots that the scrolls use are just drawn from... And I understand that it's going for that 70s vibe, but, like, two of the major plots just feel like really shallow kind of Bond, like 60s, 70s Bond plots. It's just like, oh, if we get this, it'll be fine. And there's no kind of depth to kind of, like, how are we going to get this? It's just, oh, well, we're scrolls. We can can disguise ourselves and get in anywhere. And it's like, oh, come on. There's gravic, but there's no graviky to the situation. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. It's just, I'll let you have that. How long uh, have you wanted to say that? For? <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't remember. Weeks. No. Um, it's just boring. I think that's like I, I. That's the biggest shame. I think. Like I don't mind something being bad if it's interesting or trying to do something different. It's just, it's just so middle of the road and boring. It's so it like I say it's frustrating when they have the tools at their disposal. Like we say, it looks bland. The cinematographer for this show 
it has a great track record. It's very good. Shot a lot of the last of us. Mm-hmm. Can shoot incredible stuff. Like I don't know if it's just the Marvel like style guide doesn't let you do that for a lot of the time. The cast, like we said, like Olivia Coleman is a highlight. She has some fun, but again, yeah. it's just like kind of sidelined for half of it as well. Like it's just yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah. it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The one thing it's like obviously this has a lot in common with um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to the point that like the central villain is like has like reason to be angry and reason to 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 be sort of rising up but goes too far but the one thing i say is falcon the winter soldier far far messier than this show this show like has uh, essentially like gets on a track and then goes in a straight line from a to b the falcon the winter soldier is all over the place but when the falcon the winter soldier pulled its like guns out I I genuinely think the kind of episode, sorry to anybody that hasn't watched it yet, but it is a couple of years old now, but the episode in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier where US agent kills a guy in the mm. middle of, of like, is it like a Latvian street? And everyone yeah. watches like... surprising. You know, it's the American flag shield going into a man and being covered in blood. That says something and that is both tense and shocking and says something about like, you know, in shallow terms, but says something about the state of America and like foreign policy and stuff it had something to say I think there's like there's there's a couple of moments like that in Secret Invasion but overall it is yeah, very pretty, bland there's some pretty little weak little waves towards xenophobia but yeah. not in mm-hmm. any meaningful way kind of the weird like thing i was getting weirdly like horrible flashbacks to Iron Man 2 for some reason and oh, really? i don't know why i don't know if it's just because like mickey rourke uh this character kind of i don't know i feel like he has a similar sort of like personal vendor mm-hmm. i don't know maybe it's just because I, I was thinking this is low-end marvel and i was just getting memories of iron man too yeah. but um mm-hmm. yeah anyway does it set anything up like for what's coming so, with marvel um, stuff I felt that the end was felt quite inconsequential, but I have I've not read them yet. But I've noticed there's a couple of think pieces around the internet saying that like, oh, it could actually have much larger ramifications. I think this though, happens every time. I think they don't have a on, plan. Honestly, to answer your question, Emma, I think it's just that maybe I didn't necessarily see any big consequences for the MCU because I don't care anymore, and yeah, I think that's I'm the just, problem. I'm really like, yeah. I'm not going to watch the last few episodes of this. I'm not seeing them in the summer anymore. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm very close to being fully out. And do you know what? After a week of seeing Oppenheimer and Barbie, I'm more than happy to be fully out at this point, to be honest with you. Um, another thing I probably won't bother with is The Witcher. Um, Matt, you've watched all of The Witcher Season 3, both Volumes 1 and 2. I believe Witcher Volume 2 is out today, is that right? Or is yesterday? Is it out today? Or yeah. It's out very soon? I don't know. I think No, I think it's already out. I'm very it's already sure it's already out. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. this is how much little attention I've been paying to this. I kind of, I just don't care. But um, which is it worth watching? Try and convince me. Is there? Is it worth watching? No, it's not worth watching. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Job done. Yeah, yeah. Emma, are you a Witcher fan? Not really. Like I feel like so everyone always talks about The Witcher Three and how amazing it is and it's one of those games I still it's one of those ones you know and you're kind of like embarrassed to say it's still something you haven't mm-hmm. played it's very much that for me so I was like well I won't watch the show till I play the game but I've also got to find time to play the game yeah. so yeah if the happen. show's not great that does actually help because then <laughs> no. I can just tick that one do off they, I don't need do to they do at it. least so if people don't know this is The Witcher Geralt he will soon become Luke Hemsworth, that's the right Hemsworth. Liam it? Hemsworth. Liam, not yeah. Luke. Sorry, I did get the wrong Hemsworth. Um, do they at least give 
Henry Cavill a, a good last swing of the sword? Does he have a, a good send off? So, so it's interesting that like, so obviously we've uh, on the site our reviewer has reviewed both se- like parts of this season. They've reviewed volume one and volume two, and they gave volume uh, one a seven and volume two a five. Mm. In my personal opinion, obviously you know that's that's their opinion and they get to keep that. I would actually have switched those scores. I think the second volume has a little bit more going for it. Mm-hmm. And Henry Cavill gets like a real good like final fight, you know, mm-hmm. in this um, that, that I think he does well, even though that that's actually in the first episode of the volume. He gets to fight later, but there's one that really does feel like the final conflict for the Henry Cavill version of, of Geralt. I think, I think that's got some merit to it. Um, but... The one thing that I can set everybody up for, that's not a spoiler, uh, but um, you don't get any sort of transition. You're not going to get your Doctor Who regeneration scene where you <laughs> that's go That's what from. I wanted, yeah. That would be mad. What <laughs> they just, like, Yen just casts a spell and he transforms well, into a Hemsworth. They've said that there's going to be an in-universe explanation oh, for why he be looks that, different. And so I thought that they might do something at the end where it's like, you know, a magic spell, like maybe he has to disguise himself or something. You know, they presumably or will invent... And mimics liver or something. Yeah, I don't know. But no, you don't get that. Like, he's Henry Cavill till the very end. Um, overall, like... So I didn't like The Witcher from the start. So I love the games. Like, I do mm. I do genuinely, you know... Um, I'm sure a million people have said this to you, Emma, but, like, I really do, like... I, <laughs> I, I think you'd love them, like, particularly because they've got kind of, like... A little bit of like that soulsiness in terms of not that they play anything like a souls game or anything, but that grandiosity of souls and that the amount of lore that's there. Discovering mm. that world, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 got a bit of that. And in general, I just think it's one of the best written RPGs of all time, uh, particularly the third one. Um I don't see a lot of that in in the Witcher TV show, and I can remember reviewing the first season. It's the only one I reviewed. And I gave it like around a six, I think. And a lot of people didn't like that I gave it a six. But I think in time, people have kind of come around to to how You're I on feel about it. the right side it. of history, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people maybe even hate it more than I do. Um, I just find it, I think it does have like, like there is, uh, this one is an adaptation largely of The Time of Contempt, which is the third book, I think, of The Witcher. And it's, it's probably a bit more faithful than any of the other ones are. But I think it's the way that kind of like, it's almost like, to use a drug analogy, you know how like you cut drugs, you know, drug dealers cut drugs with other things. I don't know how you things. cut drugs, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah. but so you've got like the pure strain of your cocaine and they put all sorts of horrible yeah. crap you in You seem an expert well. yeah. in this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did drug education at school, Simon. Okay. I'm going to clip that out just before <laughs> education. Uh, but there we go. Um, but it's almost <laughs> like the stuff that that the Witcher TV shows cut with is such generic fantasy. So there's all of these like very witchery things, like this very unusual Slavic form of fantasy that's mixed with very kind of bland generic yeah. fantasy. And also, I basically don't think it's got the budget that it needs. No, and it hasn't it, got the monsters, has it? Well, it's not got the <laughs> monsters, but also like, all the costume design is dreadful, like really dreadful. Like... <laughs> Everybody looks like they just went down to like Marks and Spencers. They just bought some <laughs> clothes and put a few like fantasy gemstones on it. Like it's yeah. it's, it's bollocks is what it is. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I think a lot of it's not shot very well. 
really good fight scenes. It's very good at fight scenes. Mm. Sword choreography yeah. is good. And you know that, that there's that um, whole... You know the thing that that people talk about that does a person have a face for period drama or do they look like they know what an iPhone is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a, everybody a lot of the younger cast in this. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. So many people look like they know what an iPhone is, and, and yeah. it, you know, obviously no fault of their own, but kind of like be it through maybe kind of different makeup and and costume design would have helped that. Yeah. I don't know, but I just I just don't buy this version of the no. universe, even not- when. It does things that I'm like, yeah, that that was kind of cool. There are bits that are that do have merit. I just I just find it, and particularly in this season, I found the first five episodes really tedious. Much more action and much more kind of plot development happens in the latter three, but it does almost feel like it's shoveling it in. It's like someone at the coal front of a train just going, "We're running out of steam. Just get all the coal in." Yeah. It's a shit. Like, I'm not going to watch this new season. Like, I kind of, I've tried off, fell off, fallen off it even. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because I feel like Henry Cavill really wanted this. To, he'd given it his all and he's kind yeah. of been kind of let down by a lot of it around he, him. He but. was the right person to play him. And like, yeah. I'm, I won't I won't be one of those people that's like, oh, Liam Hemsworth doesn't possibly have a chance. He could. I just think that ultimately they, they're always going to be let down by the show just doesn't feel right. There's just mm-hmm. some like... You know, beyond yeah. just the costume department's bad and some of the like direction isn't very good and the plots can sometimes just feel a bit all over the fucking shop. Yeah. I just like there's just something off about the entire project that I don't and I say this as someone that I've met Lauren Histrich, the showrunner, like uh, a couple of times now. I think I think she's really switched on. I think she's a really great chat. And I like that she's got her own kind of idea of what The Witcher is. It's just not the idea for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, you haven't convinced me, so I probably won't watch it. There's plenty of other things to do. I'll probably just watch Barbin up online. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Again, um, I'm going to go very briefly because I feel like it's my duty to let everyone know when I'm being suckered into yet another probably bad superhero based game. This time... On my mobile phone, have I been playing too much DC heroes and villains? I have never heard of this. Okay, no, neither uh, have I. I think I, I saw think, you tweet about it yesterday uh, or something, God. and I was like, I've "What been, is this?" I'm embarrassed. It's a uh, it's a match three game. It's like Bejeweled, but with DC heroes <laughs> and villains. All right, that sounds um, kind of good. Bejeweled, I'm all good. for it. Yeah, it's probably it's an absolute haven for microtransaction badness, but I'm not engaging in any of that. Like. Basically, you be like you. It has capsules you open, which have different heroes and villains, and you build out your team and upgrade their powers. And those basically, you go into each like bejeweled match essentially against these sets of heroes or villains by build like building your team of heroes and villains and leveling them up. And they have different ultimate abilities. So once you like match like I don't know twelve reds, you can do cyborg can do a big old laser blast at people. And basically, you're playing bejeweled against this AI who is just, it is pretty simple. I'm just playing it in bed for like two hours and I'm I'm really badly obsessed with this. Um, It's not great, but I just thought if anyone wants a new, like kind of puzzle game to play on their phone, maybe check out DC Heroes and Villains. Um, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, to be honest. My my brain is so frazzled at the moment um, that I, I can't even, the thought of like, putting on anything that requires more attention than that to me is is daunting so i've been playing a lot of that do you have any questions about dc heroes and villains i mean what do the heroes and villains do do they have like abilities yeah so like once you match so yeah once you match up a certain so like there'll be like enemies on the other side of the screen who say they have three thousand health so if Mm you and there's red green yellow blue and purple uh different gems you can match up and Say they're red coloured, it means they're weak to blue or green. I can't remember. There's basically a colour wheel, so each colour has a weakness and a strength. Mm-hmm. So you want to match up like different colours to different enemies to do better damage. But then also the colours you match up power up your your group of five heroes that charges their ultimate abilities. So if you match 12 in a match or so, it charges up their abilities. So you can, for example, unleash Batman's Batarangs, which does like a bit of damage to all the other enemies on screen. Or you can do Penguin's Umbrella, which will stab one enemy powerfully, like a few times and do a lot of damage. So you're basically going through waves of enemies and right. trying to complete each level. Does it have like cool animations when that happens? Um, I wouldn't call them cool. They're, they're, they do animate. They're not like it's not Marvel Snap though. Like Marvel yeah. Snap is like top tier, like yeah, of this sort of thing. Cool. This is definitely like B tier level. It's got it, it's 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 very fun. Like I said, lots of microtransactions. If you want to engage in them, I haven't engaged in them. But like basically, you're earning like different currencies to unlock these different tiers of capsules that are kind of just gacha machines that include I don't know Cheetah or the Riddler <laughs> or stuff like that. But sometimes they do just have grunts like armored unit or like uh, like i don't know police captain <laughs> um maybe maybe it's just because of the sheer amount of like 
like prep that I'm doing yeah. for things. Like everything you've said is just like it just is soup in my oh. head. <laughs> Basically, if you're looking for something that's a bit like Bejeweled that has loads of DC characters in it, maybe check out DC Heroes and Villains. It's a fun little time. Can you play uh, against like other humans, or is it? So only there is a versus AI? mode where you play against other people's teams, but you don't play directly. It's not PvP. Okay. You're basically playing against the teams they've assembled and. They're basically like controlled by the AI. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I probably will stop playing it in a week, to be honest. But you know, I just wanted to talk about. I don't know. I'm losing steam. <laughs> it's important to have games where you can kind of just switch off your brain, yeah. isn't it? Don't be embarrassed. Mobile games are video games too. Okay, um, let's all remember okay. that. Um, do you know what else is a game? What? The Endless Search. Oh, it is. Yeah. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold up the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Oh, what have we got this week? This week, we're at, we, we've been sent endless searches. We've, oh, we were wow. sent more than Multiple. one. Yeah, I know. Um, so I pick them. I pick one out of the hat that we got, and this one is from Lee Burton. Um, and this one, I'll, I'll read out Lee's email. It says hi, sorry, hello, IGNers. Been listening yeah, for a long time. Thanks for the content. Always enjoy your fun takes and chat. I've designed a new endless search game. It's brand new. It's not uh, an adaptation of something we've got. I mean, it sort Ooh. of is an adaptation. It's got Ooh. a little bit of other things okay. that we do, okay. but it is it is a new concept. Um, I've given it the catchy title, What the Hell Did We Say That About? Here's the game. Oh, no. <laughs> I've taken five IGN reviews. Could be a oh, movie, good. a TV show, or a game, and you'll have to work out from the clues. Uh, that He's pulled... Sorry, Lee. Well, I don't I think actually we have know if Lee similar, is... but not for a long time. Yeah, but Lee Lee says that they have um, pulled uh, lines from from the movie, TV show, you know, from the, from the review. So yeah. essentially, it is the it's a bit like the IMDb madness reviews kind of game. Yeah. But Lee has given us uh, uh, our own reviews. reviews. Yeah. Clues from reviews. Okay, that's cool. And I'm guessing it's they're like five and we get like more points. The yeah, people get yeah. It. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely going to be one of mine in here and I'm not going to remember it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so probably uh, one of Attached clues in the spreadsheet, which I have, the new review do. Uh, hope you have fun with it from Lee. P.S. Uh, random side note. I've noticed that Cardi says, well, there you go, multiple times per podcast. No, I've uh, noticed it. I can't unnotice good, that's it. Another th- that's another thing I need on my mind to think about. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, there you go. Right. <laughs> Let me get my phone so that I can... Uh, Write down what the scores are, and we will start with clue one. Oh, we. Uh, sorry, you're about to just carry on. Ignore me. Yeah. Uh, just, ju- just whoever knows it first can just, just, yeah, just yeah, buzz yeah. in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, this is this is from first review. Obviously, I will not tell you what category it lands in, whether it's a film, TV, or uh, game. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Okay, um, cool. But clue one is that this is a line from the review. It says. But it's the artists, the decorators, and the dreamers who should be most excited. And I want to point out that artists, decorators, and dreamers are all capitalised as if they were proper nouns. See, I was going to say a game there, but it's a game I reviewed and I know I didn't write that. (laughs) (laughs) 
the artists, the decorators, and the dreamers. I feel like we should know what that clue is referring to. The thing is, because it could be a game, a TV, or a film. That's what the dreamers. Oh, this is. I'm just gonna guess. Mm -hmm. Is it dreams? It's it's not no. Because I reviewed that and I did not write that. Although, That's what I was going to say. Dreams is coming to PlayStation Plus and on yeah. a PlayStation near you very soon. The dream. I know what this and I can't place it in my mind. The dreamers. Do you, do you think you've read this review and you just can't remember? I think it? and I think the dreamers is something that's used in this film. I think it's a film. Right. Okay. Um, let's carry on. For, I'm not OK. Get it. Uh, clue number two. So you can get four points for this one if you can get it on this. Uh but I did take part in some amusing special events, including a meteor shower. Okay, it's a game then. <laughs> yeah. A meteor, a meteor shower. shower. This is really bad if this is something I wrote now, but I don't think... <laughs> You're going to be second guessing that the whole yeah. way through this game. <laughs> a meteor shower. The dreamers. Artists, the decorators, and the dreamers. What could that be? The Sims 4? Nope. Okay. Emma? Any ideas? I don't have anything. Okay, shall we go on, on to that. clue three? Yeah, let's do it. There's not much to do but get in the way of each other. Get in the way of each other. Um... Oh... See, again, I went to another thing I reviewed, but I did not say this. <laughs> Get in the way of each other. Meteor shower. I'm still hung up on that as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you all like uh, a helping sort of hand. I don't yeah. think... So, Cardi, you've definitely not written any of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know I haven't. Yeah, right. and... It's uh, not my style. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, to be quite honest, I don't think any of these were from anyone on... Oh, okay. Cool. Necessarily our know. team. I won't be self-conscious then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Getting the. I'm not. I need. No, I'm going to need to pass. I think. I don't know where that's. Unless okay. Has it? Uh, yeah. Clue number four then. Projectors and lamps that you can turn on. Projectors and lamps. I must say, like, so I I have not had any experience with the thing that this review is about so i have no idea if that is like a real obvious one if you know it projectors projectors and lamps Um, projectors and lamps i also don't know how old some of these reviews are projectors and lamps what the f- <laughs> Lee, have you just made like the hardest <laughs> ever search in the world? Uh, maybe we, maybe uh, maybe I'm just been going completely brain dead here. I don't know. I might have to pass unless Emma's got it. No, I'm not. I can't think of anything. I'm guessing it's some kind of multiplayer game. If it's getting in the way of each Projectors other, there there is some multiplayer involved. Uh, but. Clue clue five then for a single point. Okay, Cut off from yeah. the mainland, it's just you, trees, water, and rocks. Which you must say, I don't necessarily think that that, uh, that completely um, Walls, gives it trees, away. No, it's water. just it's just you, trees, water, and rocks. What's that game called? So you're cut off from the mainland and all you've got is yourself, some trees, some water, and rocks. Is it Animal Crossing? 
New Horizons? It is Animal oh. Crossing New Horizons. Oh, I mean, Projectors that took a while to lamps. get... Uh, yeah, why is that a main clue? <laughs> Come on. Uh, the Dreamers, that... I believe, was that written by Sam Claiborne? I I don't actually know who wrote our Animal okay. Crossing New Horizons. Do you want to I'm obviously not going to... You know, it's just not... Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't ringing a bell. There we go. Um, there we go. <sighs> that, I don't, I'm trying to think of the other clues. Was there anything... I don't feel there was anything that would have given that away. Uh, we like, got I guess the, the meteorite showers, from from what I know, like meteor yeah. showers are a thing that you can see, right? Yeah, that's true. And then I'm guessing in multiplayer in Animal Crossing, there's not much you can do with other people. No, you can just get in the way. It's all true. I mean, yeah. the reviews, are, I'm not saying the reviews are inaccurate, but there we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, one nil. One <laughs> no. uh, Okay, review number two, clue number one. It has a myriad of memorable, nuanced characters that distinguish it from similar, which distinguish it from similar offerings in the genre. Pfft, I mean, that could be. This is very broad. Anything. Yeah, it's um, a great review word, isn't it? Myriad has a myriad. <laughs> um, I mean, pfft, Mass Effect. I'm afraid not. Fallout Four. Yeah, I'm afraid not. It's- no. It is. It is diff- particularly when we're looking at the entire history of IGN yeah, yeah. reviews. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, clue number two: gravitas is required when one leads. Uh, sorry, gravitas is required when one leads a group of strongly minded individuals into battle, and character X has plenty of it. Hmm. Game of Thrones. It's not Game of Thrones. No. I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> right, clue number three. The central will-they-won't-they they narrative between two of the main characters is the show's weakest link, mostly oh, due to its predictability. Will-they-won't-they? They? Hmm. Okay, which... I mean, this could be any TV show, really, couldn't it? Yeah, how how old... Do we know how old we're going? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of like... Uh, so this came out during my tenure at uh, okay, IGN. So, last, so, what, so four, anything four from 2019 onwards. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Um. Shall we go to clue four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a re- it's irreverent, amusingly gratuitous, and one hell of a ride with overly violent set pieces and compelling storylines. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. House of the Dragon. It's not House of the Dragon. Oh. I'm afraid. What was was a bit violent and I don't know. I'm really. Uh, it's okay. too broad. I think. I, I feel uh, th- this. If you don't get it off this one, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So clue five for a single point. Character Y, because obviously we can't name them. Yeah. Is a mis- is a misogynistic dick, but he genuinely cares about sea creatures. The boys. Yes. Yes. That's so, deep, right? It is. Yes. Cardi got in there just in time. Right. Two. Two, two, two to Cardi. Let's try and get. I'd just be happy if one of us gets it before the last one. Mm-hmm. In the- yeah, more than one point. That's what we're going to aim yeah. for. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, review number three, clue number one. I simply can't unreservedly recommend that you buy it. I mean, well, that could be anything. Uh, what, what's really bad? <laughs> Something that was really bad. 
I'm, it's got to be a game because you don't buy yeah. a film or buy a TV show well, in the same way. You buy. I mean, you might on Blu-ray. Be, right? Yeah, so but no one a... refers to it like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. It says, "I simply uh, can't unreservedly recommend that you buy it." What have we absolutely trashed? Uh, what is what is just really bad? Ballon Wonderland or Wonderworld, whatever that was. So what I'm going to say is that I'm going to read it out again. I simply can't unreservedly recommend that you buy it. I think you do need to think about the way that that sentence is constructed. Is there a clever bit of wordplay there? I simply can't unreservedly recommend that you buy it. Hmm. I mean, I've already had my guess this yeah. time. I feel like unreservedly. Shall I go on to clue two? Yeah, yeah. go on. Okay. <laughs> the absence of voice chat and matchmaking is integral. Voice chat um... and matchmaking. So there's no voice chat and there's no matchmaking, but the fact that it's not there is apparently integral to the experience. Sorry, you can't unres. Am I reading this wrong? Way? Say that first clue again. I can't. Un- I simply can't Link. unreservedly recommend that you buy it. I'm trying to read into it. <laughs> Lee, these are very hard. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lee. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, everyone listening. Uh, I'm um, pass. Yeah, let's go. Uh, okay. Next clue. Uh, next clue is the game never forces you into a certain playstyle. I think at this point you need to start to link the the clues together. together. So it doesn't force you into a playstyle, but it is clearly has some sort of multiplayer in which you don't get voice or matchmaking. And the reviewer can't absolutely definitely fully recommend it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Did that really help you? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. The way it's worded there, I kind of, I'm sure in context that sentence makes a lot more sense. But I misread, I misunderstood what they were saying. Um, okay, never. That means it's okay. Still could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pass. Answer, yeah, yeah. Emma, shall we go on to clue four? Yeah. Magic is as relevant to the game as ever, but it's no longer a cheap and easy rechargeable long range option. Is it Elden Ring? It's not Elden Ring, no. I've no idea. Shall we go to clue five? Yeah. Uh, its design is so consistently twisted that it actually starts to encroach on your mental well being after extended play. Is it Bloodborne? <laughs> It's not Bloodborne, no. Uh, I still Emma, have no I'm just gonna idea. I'm just gonna tell yeah. you that he's very close. I know, I know I am. <laughs> I went for the wrong one. Is it Dark Souls 2? It is Dark Souls. Oh no, it's not oh! Dark Souls 2 oh, ever. It's just it's Dark, just Dark Souls. Souls. Yeah. <laughs> have half a point. <laughs> I'll let yeah, we'll uh, go point so I completely misread that first clue as 
So I what? Unre- unreservedly, not you know, re- can't yeah. recommend. Was it, it Keza like, that reviewed Dark Souls for us back in the day? I don't. I but do what I, essentially what it is is like I really want to completely tell you to go yeah, out yeah, and buy yeah, it, yeah. but there's there are some reservations. I just okay, yeah, that makes way. More there are some yeah. minor things in here where you can start to see it. So, for example, the magic one is because in uh, Elder, in sorry, in Demon Souls, you could recharge your mana meter, couldn't you? Like I think mm. either it did it on its own or you had a ring that would recharge it. Whereas obviously, uh, Dark Souls d- yeah. doesn't like tie into. I was that. I was in the right ballpark, but standing yeah. on the wrong base. Yeah. Uh, mm. Right. Review four. German. <laughs> <laughs> is it Jumanji? It is Jumanji. Uh, Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> okay, we'll skip that we'll one. We'll skip then. that one. So it's all it's all uh, to play for in uh rev- in this new in this final review which i'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil and not going to read the title of so clue number one legitimate discovery is a difficult sensation to simulate in a video game uh, breath of the wild it's not breath of the wild I was going to say Tears of the Kingdom. Because the, the follow-up Kingdom. line to that would be very helpful. Because mm-hmm. if it was, and it achie- but this achieves it incredibly, or, and this has no idea what it's <laughs> you know. Uh. Uh, right, clue number two. Stumbling upon a new area because you were in the right place at the right time leads to some of the best discoveries. The Outer Wilds. Yes, Cardi. Yes. Wow. There we go. Come on. We Victory <laughs> over over the game, God. what Emma? Yeah, I, th- I think that is the case. Uh, very cool idea. I think maybe uh, Lee should you submit another one, or should anybody else love, like to uh, add to the legacy of the new mm-hmm. game? What the hell did we say about that? Uh, we're idiots, and we need a little bit easier. Look, like from many times writing these games, the concept's the easy part; the clues are the hard part. Balancing uh not giving her away with actually giving a clue is very difficult. Yeah, I think yeah. I think any of these guest ones, like I, I know that Dale said I think before, like he he like listens to me and gets frustrated and just shouts uh what the answer is. Like I completely blank on these. Mm. Anything that's like this is in is the like, moment, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I can't think. Mm-hmm. And then you think about it after you're like, I could have said this, 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 like Yeah. yeah. Well Well done, good Cardi. Game. I had fun. <laughs> Thank you for playing with me. It was a pleasure. Um, Emma, I believe you have the first file. Feedback emails, of course, you can send in your feedback to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Let us know what you think of Barbie. Let us know what you think of Oppenheimer. What are you looking forward to? I'm sure next week uh, we'll probably be talking about Baldur's Gate, maybe. We'll have played a little bit. I know, Matt, you cannot wait anymore for that game. You're yeah, very excited. I am. Um, on I'm sure we'll have weeks of chat ahead about that game. Scrabbling at the door of where they've got it locked, <laughs> just yeah. desperately wanting it to be released. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe if you're playing any Baldur's Gate next week, let us know uh, Let us know how you find it so far. But for now, Emma, who are we hearing from? We are hearing from Luke. Luke says, Hi, all three of you. I've just finished my showing of Barbie after me and my boyfriend decided to go together. Anyway, the film was incredible and moved me to tears several times from laughter to depression (laughs) as I was shown a twisted reality women face that was actually anything but alternative. However, I have one complaint about the experience. Nothing to do with the movie, but the person in the chair two (laughs) rows behind me, they would not sit still. This was only worsened by the fact that they had a squeaky chair. So during the movie's most intense monologue, every third word was followed by... 
<laughs> heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Um, <laughs> but annoying sounds that ruin emotional moments do not. So my question to you all is, can you recall something minor that has absolutely thrown your movie viewing experience into disarray while watching the film? <laughs> As always, respect women and respect the sea. Agreed. Um, I will say, I love that people are going back to the cinemas and seeing films. And it was weird being in a pretty full cinema screen yesterday when we watched Barbie. But that does increase the percentage likelihood that you'll have some people who don't know how to behave in a cinema. Yeah. Um, I know, there were, what was it, the people next the people next to you, Matt, got up, I think, three or four times during the so, film to go and buy drinks and yeah. were on their phone the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like... I don't want to like ruin people's like experience of what is like a clearly it's easy a film. to not be on your phone in the cinema. Yeah, it's 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 great that people are like you know I get the impression that maybe these were possibly people that don't go to the cinema a lot and haven't got developed like actual cinema mm. etiquette and it it's great that a film like Barbie will pull people into the cinema, but they basically did just want to drink and I mean like alcohol <laughs> all the way through it, so yeah. they got up three times missing like 10 minutes of the film to go and queue at the very understaffed bar at the Curzon. And then, yeah, just coming back and then, yeah, being on their phone almost the entirety of the film. It's like, it's it's not Netflix, people. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you... You're paying like 20 quid for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I don't Sit there understand. and enjoy it. Yeah, like yeah. going to the cinema is not cheap. And no. I think the last time i went to see something where i was really annoyed with the other people in the room was dr strange like last year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my boyfriend and i purposely went weeks after the movie came out because we hate being like yeah. near people that are annoying mm-hmm. or you know making noise or on their phone or whatever so we're like look if we go a few weeks after it'll be nice and quiet there won't be anyone there and of course it was school holidays there were a bunch of teenagers who were up and down the stairs every five minutes talking to each other. And it's just like, no, it puts you off wanting to go. Like, I went to see Barbie at 9am on a Saturday because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to have to deal with anyone I, else. Like, I have local cinemas that I just haven't been to in like 10 years just because I know that the people there were not, like, <laughs> were not making a job. Or like, I'm, you know, I love... You know, I am a little bit of a snob when it comes to cinemas now. Like, I have two or three screens where I'm like, I know if I go here, I will have a decent time. Mm-hmm. People know how to behave. And I'm very lucky that a lot of time I get to go to, you know, early screens where it's, you know, journalists and they'll sit there quietly and maybe take notes. But you occasionally hear a pen or a pencil. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of yeah. my favorite examples of this is, and it's not a my, it's not something minor, actually. This is quite major. I went to see Star Trek Into Darkness, kind of like the week it oh, came I'm out. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> but um, there was like, uh, there's only about six people in there because I used to this was when I used to work uh, work at a shop so I had kind of like a day off in the week mm. um, so I could week the, so I had to work the weekends so I went on like a Thursday morning probably about like 9am like you said Emma for, for Doctor Strange so there's only about five people in there but there was a full-blown Trekkie in there who when it starts at the beginning and it starts to do the music and you know the kind of space the final frontier he got up and like did the Star Trek kind of like (laughs) salute and and recited it and sang along with the theme tune and then there's a bit towards the end of that film where like Spock is like there's they're doing like a chase sequence along the top of spaceships that are flying Mm. through like a city and he just like leapt out of his seat and he was just going, go Spock, go Spock, get him Spock. And I'm like, 
oh, oh, it's, it's no. this kind of enthusiasm, is it? And I am all for people having like their best time at the cinema, but like yeah. not at the expense of everybody else that's also paid money to be there. Uh, that is a level of self-awareness I um I do not hold. Um, <laughs> How do you yeah. feel about it when people get up at the end and clap and cheer? No, don't do it. It's if not a theatre production, is it? I, I have to, I have done it, but only if I'm at screenings where like the director or the cast are there, because mm-hmm. you're like, you know, you're. It's like you're showing appreciation. Yeah, you're appreciating yeah. them, but like not just to like you know an empty room. What you know? <laughs> Do you want to go up and shake the projectionist's hand? I mean, there's, like, there well, isn't a projection. That's the problem, is it? There's no yeah. projectionists oh, anymore. Oh, don't, don't you tell them that? <laughs> oh, a drought of projectionists in this world these days, aren't there? Oh God. Um, anyway. Matt, we got another email? Oh, yeah. it's uh, This one is from Chris, who says, Hello, IGN crew. I have a question that may, that may sound a little strange. How important is gameplay to a game? Surely it would seem that the answer would, would very simply be very, <laughs> but let me elaborate a bit. My favourite game of all time is Doom, the original from 1993. Showing my age a bit there. Uh, I'm sure that you have all played it and I'm sure you all know that Doom is gameplay heavy. The story is almost non-existent. In fact, I remember having to read the uh, having to read the actual honest to god physical paper manual to glean the story and even then it amounted to the doors of hell are open and some demons got out. There's no voice acting, there's no character development, there's no open world exploration, no dialogue trees, no looting, no crafting, no RPG elements, no quick time events and definitely no microtransactions. But the core gameplay loop and steadily rising difficulty make this game irresistible. The crack of the shotgun is still one of the most satisfying things in all of gaming. Recently, due to several glowing recommendations from this very pod, I bought Disco Elysium. Now, I like all types of games and try to play a good variety, but I just bounced off this game. The reason being that after a good six or so hours, I took a step back and realised that there is almost zero actual gameplay this is more akin Hmm. to a choose your own adventure book than it is a traditional arcade game but with over 90 on metacritic there is obviously a fan base for this type of game so how important is actual gameplay to a game respect the doom slayer thanks chris cardi did you Uh, give this one me to like wind me up in the morning um, uh, (laughs) i I say um, this with absolute love chris like you're not winding me up no 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 you've you've asked the two the right two people i don't have you played disco elysium ever no Okay. Not well, yet. me and me and Matt, this is like probably in our top what ten to twenty games of all time. Uh, maybe? It's definitely in my top ten. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I give it a ten out of ten. Um, that okay, I think here's where plenty. The, I think this game is full of gameplay. It's just the, not the sort of gameplay that's in other games. It's not. It's not exactly. That's what I was going to say. It has gameplay. It's just not as active a gameplay system as something like Doom, is it? You're constantly making decisions all the way through Disco Elysium and a decision is gameplay. Like in Doom, the decision is, do I use the shotgun at this point or am I going to change to the chainsaw? Do I move left? Do I move right? Do I actually retreat? Do I push forward? In Disco Elysium, the choices are like, who do I talk to and what what do I say to them? Because mm-hmm. there's so much reactivity in the dialogue system that whatever you say is likely going to get a different answer to whatever someone else says. Uh, yeah. it's it, it, it's based on decision and how you unfold the story rather than the traditional gameplay mm-hmm. loops of other games. Yeah, we've kicked him off now. I'm Go not saying, say and I'm not Go saying on. that it is it is bad for someone to not like it. I've met several people now that really oh, don't yeah. like Disco Elysium. That's absolutely fine, but it's just that it doesn't have zero gameplay. It does have gameplay. It's just not the same. No, there we go. And you get to choose what uh, socks you wear and stuff like that. Yeah. So don't tell me that isn't gameplay. 
Yeah. And so it's like the amount of, like, obviously you can build very different versions of the central detective in Disco Elysium and like those choices that you make Mm -hmm. changes the way that you investigate the case. So I, as someone that really likes Twin Peaks, built a very Lynchian style kind of detective that basically talks to inanimate objects in the way that yeah. Coop in Twin Peaks t- has that bit where he speaks to the logs yeah, and tries yeah, yeah. to, it was all based around that. And so like I was able to speak to my tie. I was able to speak to kind of like a cargo container to work out Walls. things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like all of that sort of shit, but you can make a character that's much more based on actual genuine intelligence, or you can make one that tries to basically hit his way through, yeah, through yeah. the place. It's um, yeah. It is a great game. But um, mm-hmm. I think to the broader question of how important is actual gameplay to a game, there are definitely games that are lighter on gameplay, especially compared to something like whether it's Doom 93 or Doom, you know, more recent games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they are very active gameplay-led yeah. games, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, my favourite games like, I don't know, Red Dead 2, you wouldn't say that is a bit more in between. Like, it's got a lot of action to it, but also the, re- the main reason I love that game is for the tone, the story, the characters. Yeah. Gameplay mm-hmm. is not the first you know it doesn't for me gameplay doesn't need to be the most foremost element whereas for some people gameplay like is king like mario is like pure gameplay Mm -hmm. and that's why they love it and i love mario but you know i think story and tone and that sort of thing is always what pops most to me in a game when i look at it rather than the gameplay systems yeah and it's a case of there are games which do i think fit that kind of like not zero actual gameplay but so visual novels are considered games right and there are visual novels that don't actually let you have any player choice. They, it's just you click and you go through it and you mm-hmm. witness the story in an interactive way, yeah. but you're not making a decision. So that, I think, does fit to there. But for a lot, I, I am not a visual novel kind of person. They don't necessarily jive with me. The visual novels that I've worked with is like, so I love Pyre. And Pyre mm. is half visual novel, half magic basketball simulator sports, sports game yeah. really, isn't it yeah um but the visual novel aspects of that have like decision base and sort of like who goes who gets like mm. knocked out of the tournament in the gameplay heavy side of it reflects in the kind of visual novel stuff but i know loads of people that really like visual novels that is just the story and so it's you it's reading basically that's the only thing that's there mm-hmm. so i guess to me, gameplay is more important than it is to those sort of people, but there are obviously an entire genre that doesn't rely on gameplay yeah. that people adore. Mm. What do you look for first in a game, Emma? Is it gameplay? I do I do really like gameplay. See, I kind of have... I've got this sort of predicament at the moment where I, this week I've been trying to play through um, Alan Wake Remastered because mm-hmm. the new mm-hmm. game's coming out. I want to play too. It looks really cool. But like the gameplay side of it isn't clicking with me. Yeah, like I has, don't like that dated. aspect of it, and it's making me not want to play it. But I do like the story. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like I want to know what happens with the story, and I'm sort of like, do I, do I continue like trying to sort of you know battle for it, even though I'm not necessarily enjoying it, or do I you know drop it and just maybe read up on the story instead? Yeah, or watch watch a playthrough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I get that because. I think a lot of people might be in that bone. I think Dale recently tried to play Alan Wake Remastered and fell off it. By the way, I'm I should also- mention this right at the... <laughs> I meant to say this right at the start of the podcast. If everyone wants to congratulate Dale, he's had a lovely, beautiful baby boy this week. <laughs> so congrats, Dale. I know you'll be listening. This is the first thing you'll be doing. And this will probably be the first episode your son listens to. So what a treat. But yeah, if you, if uh, in case people don't follow Dale on Instagram, I want to send him a lovely message. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. 
bombard him basically he he loves being bombarded especially when he's probably got no sleep going on but there we go um yeah a lot of, anyway alan wake uh, um i think a lot of people would be in that boat because alan wake 2 looks like it could be very very good and also very different right so i'm also exactly. in the same boat and this is the first time you've played alan wake um, it, yeah the, yeah see i i played it when it came out um and then um this is the first time i've played it since and it, it is interesting. It's not quite the game that I remember. Um, it feels mm. very much a game of two halves, right? There's very narrative bits, and then there's running around, shining torches at ghosts. Yeah. Um, the, the gameplay is very one note. Yeah, it, and but that's the thing. Like when I replayed all of the Max Payne games last year, mm. Max Payne One is surprisingly one note, and yeah. similar to Alan Wake, is very much like you're either watching the comics and that's your story bits, or you're shooting stuff in slow motion. And there's not that sense of oh, Max Payne Two does a lot better where it like overlaps and mixes like the set pieces feel like they are furthering the story, mm. whereas Alan Wake does feel like you're either playing it and you're doing the surprisingly it's quite a difficult game like there are bits yeah. in there that are like they swamp you with these fucking like darkness guys. Yeah, like really quickly there was one mm-hmm. part where I was sort of near a bridge. And, you know, it's sort of very much like you're walking and all of a sudden the game will almost like pause and show you like, oh, Mm -hmm. they're coming behind you. And it was like four or five of them. I was like, okay, I don't have that many batteries or ammo. And it's just Mm -hmm. me running around trying to dodge as well. Like, it just kind of feels awkward. I think that's the problem. Like, I'm I'm sort of struggling a bit just with it feels kind of older and a bit more clunky mm-hmm. and i'm not like a fan yeah. of the movement and the dodging as much uh, maybe watch a cinematic playthrough because it's definitely rather than reading it there is a lot like the best thing about that game is the tone and the plot and the characters definitely. so i think you would i think you get a lot from just watching uh even if it's just the cutscenes of that game you'd, you'd get a lot i think mm. i might um, do that yeah um anyway last email here from chris king who says hello all i just finished playing and i've taken out the name of the game here not to spoil it for people uh, in case they haven't played it um and overall i love the game and it's ending however i can't shake the feeling of emptiness after spending 60 hours with a main character only to see them die in the end I get that it can be powerful for storytelling and emotions, but unlike movies or TV shows, in games, you're actually playing and investing hours into the character. So I wonder, what are your thoughts on the idea of a main character dying at the end of a game? Love to you all, Chris. So we're going to talk, try and talk about this subject without spoiling too many I, games. I think I've read this email in the inbox, and I think, is is the game, I'll mouth it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, um... Uh, I think you might want to rewatch the final cutscene again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, or maybe read our ending explained on IGN.com. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. I actually kind of have almost the opposite feeling to this. Um, and no one's right or wrong in this. But mm-hmm. like when I'm invested, because I am spending so much time investing into a character, like, for example, some of my favorite games uh, have this where a character dies at the very end. Mm-hmm. And. If anything, I think that impacts me even more. I feel like the journey is complete, adds a level of finality to it. And when you are so connected to the character, you f- you do feel it more, I think. And like, yeah, like my favourite game this happens in. And yeah, I'm the, just, the, I, if it's done well, it works more effectively than anything, I think. Yeah, I think the are you are you saying my favorite game so you don't spoil it just in case anybody yeah, but hasn't. people know my favorite like yeah. if you know me mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But, but I agree I think in 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 that game it is done incredibly well and I also yeah. 
I'm also a very big fan of another game in that series that does yeah, yeah. a similar exactly. thing. And I really, like, I think that's one of the best endings in all of kind of narrative mm. video games. Absolutely. Um, so I uh, I find it, like, as long as it's done well, I find it powerful. I couldn't absolutely understand the idea of, like, feeling empty if yeah. you feel like they didn't get given the right send-off. But I have generally found that quite a lot of um, characters that get the send-off are done well, largely because those sort of games do tend to be written by people that have, have pretty decent narrative talent. Yeah. yeah. I think it's nice that you have a sense of closure. Like you said, if it is done well, it's sort of like you finish the game, that's the end of like the adventure or the story. And like, yeah, you have then time to maybe like, you know, grieve like the fact, oh, it's over mm-hmm. and then move on. Like it's quite a neat way to do it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there we go iGen underscore UK feedback at iGen.com if you want to get in touch. Uh, we said this might be a quick hour podcast. We're almost at an hour and a half because it turns out we don't stop talking. <laughs> but what a lovely chat we've had. I think there's only one way to end this podcast and it's with Mr. Ryan Gosling giving us a little sing song. Um, what a film Barbie is. I might have, I'm definitely going to see Oppenheimer again. I might go see it with you, Matt, because mm-hmm. you haven't seen it yet. I'm almost tempted to go see Barbie again as well, maybe. These films are going to be in cinema, so I wouldn't be surprised for like another two months. Oh, so, yeah. you know, there's going to be plenty of time. Um, I mean, that says anyway. how good it is, considering it's exactly. 20 quid a pop to go and see something in London at the moment. Like, <laughs> exactly. that shows how good those films are. I can't play those, um, like, before midday pensioner prices. I've got to work. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there we go. Good episode. Good time. Um, I've been Simon. You've been Matt. And you've been Emma. But he... He's just Ken. I'm just Ken. Anywhere else I'd be Ken. Is it my destiny to live a life of longevity? I'm just Ken. Where I see love, she sees a friend. What will it take for her to see the man behind the tent? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.